Updog fella. Look good, feel good, play good. We got some new Adidas golf swag coming the fella's way. I don't know if any new golf swag would help your game, but, but I love it. Adidas is excited to introduce new offerings within the go-to apparel collection that allows you to bring your style to the golf course. Not the traditional golf uniform. Go-to brings a fresh attitude to the game wherever you play. You'll look good on and off the course while enjoying all the technical benefits that let you play your best. Featuring streetwear-inspired style, the go-to collection rewrites all the rules and encourages you to express your style through every swing. Explore the new go-to collection on adidas.com slash golf. Fella. You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with the fall guy. What are you doing later? Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes. Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall Guy. Fall Guy. Fall Guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Nope. Because I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. Hey everybody, this is Theo Fleury. Hey, this is Chris Versteek. You're listening to the boys at Missing Curfew. a special episode of Missing Curfew. I'm Shane O'Brien. And I'm your co-host right here beside you, Scotty Upshaw. How are you? I'm good, up dog. I'm good, fella. You got the, the Canada hockey tarp on. Looks Fuck, good. She's we got a the... little tight, eh? Oh, it looks good on you. Thank oh, you. yeah. I'll put it on. I'll show you it looks tight. Fuck, I actually worked out yesterday, so I might I, I might feel like I get a little juice going. You got the nips going, too. You're good to go. Yeah, icy nips. <laughs> <laughs> up dog, this is, uh, uh, you know, Friday morning in the studio here with you, and um you know, it's something that me and you have been talking about, I don't know, for probably six months or maybe longer about, you know, we're both very proud Canadians. Um, we haven't agreed with everything that's gone on back home and we wanted to take the opportunity to bring a couple guys on uh, to talk about it. Um, you know, we want to bring the country together. We're proud to be Canadian. Uh, it, it's not about the vaccines and all this stuff. It's just about getting Canada back to the way that we grew up with it. The kids, which I know means a lot to you, and my two nephews are living there. It means a lot to me. It's just, it's not about divert. It's not about bringing people. It's about bringing people together, right? I, I would agree. Um, I think Shane, we we have a platform here with a lot of people that you know they may or may not agree with us, but we have you know some very loyal listeners that we love and that we love talking to you guys every week, and we hope that you know this message from these two individuals that we're going to bring on today. Um, you know, and the history of, of them and what they've been through and the accolades in hockey, what they've both been through, the mental health and as parents. And and when I think about this, and we talked about maybe doing this interview today, Obes, um, I did think about my nieces who are up there. I, I have three nieces and, you know, 
I, I thought about my brother and his wife and my parents and, you know, people coast to coast in Canada who've quite haven't been, you know, living the way they've used to and, and a little different than us down here in Southern California um, and across, you know, and across the U.S. per se in some certain areas. And I, uh, I wanted to voice my opinion on, on what I think can help, you know, a moment in time where people can, can speak their mind. Um, people can talk about, uh, you know, family and, and mental health and, and what it means to be Canadian. And to me, uh, Obi, this, this week, what I've seen in Canada with, you know, with this truckers and we're going to, we're going to dive into this with, uh, with our guests, but you know, this convoy for freedom thing and call it what it is. I think it's a, a special moment where Canadians are just coming together to do, uh, to protest in a very peaceful way. Mm-hmm. Uh, there might be some, some people that, you know, there's, a, pff, there's always the oddball, but we hope things are done in the right way. And yeah, it sends no, a message no of, un- of unity in Canada of, of the flag of, uh, what it meant for me to wear a C for a world junior team and, and to wear the Jersey, which I got here at the Spangler cup to wear that and wear it proud and to, to finally get a gold medal and, and what that means to me as a young Canadian kid. And I think about the young Canadian athletes and this message is for them. And I hope this, I hope this kind of brings awareness to, um, you know, what these kids are going through and how I think, you know, things hopefully can get better for everybody one day. Oh, but you just use two words there, be Canadian. And when I was home for Christmas, it didn't feel like Canada and it didn't feel like it always used to feel to me as a proud Canadian that I don't know. It just, it, it, it really hurt me, you know, deep yeah. inside. And I have two be- beautiful nephews. Uh, my mom and dad are still there. Actually, happy birthday to Pitter. Pitter's, Pitter's se- birthday. 75 today. Happy birthday, Pitter. Fucking rights, Pitter. You old bastard. You made her to 75. 75. I, I, I called him this morning and I said, hey, happy birthday. I said, when you woke up at 36 years old, hung to the gills after a three-week bender, <laughs> did you think you'd make her to 75? <laughs> <laughs> so happy birthday, dad. Oppie, we love the country. I, I, I miss it, you know, a couple years ago before this, I, I thought about moving back. I missed it so much, you know, and it's just, there's so many good people up there and I just think we've lost, you know, we've lost that, you know, be Canadian kind of thing. So that this is all this is about, um, you know, we're both proud guys, proud Canadians. We want, you know, we want it to get back to the way it should be, the way we were lucky enough to grow up turn us into who we are. Yeah. And that's pretty much what this is about, right? This isn't about politics. This to me is about freedom of Canadian people and the unity of them, whether they're on the left or the right, figuring out how to get this, how to get kids living the way they should. So mental health doesn't become a thing forever. To me, that's the most important thing. And this is where my message of this comes from. And I hope that's what, uh, is taken out of this context of this obes and what our guests talk about. We might have um, some really strong views of, of I bet people have strong views and, and by rights they do. And we have a platform Obi, as, as two Canadian guys to speak freely. And um, you know, we hope, we hope this message is, uh, is delivered without any sort of, you know, political take on either side. It's just, let's be Canadian. It's all for the red and white up dog. Well said Theo flurry. Welcome back to Missing Curfew. Uh, up dog, we got a, a, an absolute NHL legend, a guy that you know we saw last week come out and on Fox News and and and, and you know stick up for Canada and you know like we said in our intro, 
me and you, we love Canada. And, and this guy's represented the country. He's won a gold medal. He loves Canada too. And the reason we're doing this is because we all love Canada. Absolutely. And we don't like what's going on right now. But um, Theo Fleury, Theo, um, thank you for taking time out of your day to come on Missing Curfew. Like I said, me and Uppy saw you on Fox News. Um, I loved what you said. I, I agreed with everything you said. Me and Uppy have been talking about this for the last six months on here. Um, at about, least. At least about what's yeah. been going on. And um, So thank you for joining us. Yeah, appreciate the, the opportunity always to talk about whatever. So, yeah. you know, I, that's what I spent most of my days doing. <laughs> um, but, uh, you know, and it's really great that, you know, former players are, you know, doing this kind of stuff. I think it's really important and, you know, um, it's, it's, you know, I love talking hockey, you know, everything I have in my life has come from the game of hockey and, uh, you know, I'm very grateful and, uh, you know, the era that I played in, uh, was, I believe the greatest era of hockey, um, the greatest amount of superstars, um, you know, in the game and, uh, you know, the leadership from that era was, you know, second to none, you know, the, Messier's, the Gretzky's, the Mario's, the Sackick's, the Eisermans, you know, I got a chance to hang out with those guys and, and observe and watch how they, how they led. And, and, uh, you know, now that my post career, you know, I've led a lot of different things in my life and, and, uh, you know, I tried to, I try to act the way that those guys did, you know, they were very humble. They made everybody feel important, you know, from the guy that made coffee in the morning to, you know, to the guys that they played on the same line. And it was just, it was really cool to be around those guys and, and, and just learn and observe and learn, you know? Yeah, I'd agree. I'd say, you know, Shane and I came in Theo probably towards the the latter part of your career, 2002, yeah. three, four. Mm -hmm. um, and the things you learn from older guys that you played with are things that we carry on, you know, with our kids and, you know, the way we treat other people, our trainers, yeah. you know, the way you, the way you take criticism from your coach, you yeah. know, and, and how you got to, you know, keep your chin high and, and work harder. And, and so all those things. And, and we hope that, you know, the kids that we played with are doing the same thing, you know, yeah. and, and now that we're going through this phase of our life, uh, a very odd time, a very challenging time. I think about kids. I think yeah. about the minor hockey kids in Canada. I think about mm -hmm. my nieces back home who are uh, held back from, you know, being normal, having fun with their friends, not going to dance class, not being able to, uh, not be, you know, getting shut down for certain things. And, and I guess if you could just enlighten us and our listeners on where you've been in, in your space the last little bit, mm. why you've sp spoke up and been a Patriot for Canada. Um, yeah. I'm wearing my Canada t-shirt today. <laughs> I'm fucking it. very, very proud right now to be Canadian more than, more than ever in the last yeah. couple of years. Um, could you touch on, on this convoy, on mm. people actually standing up and supporting Canada in a very honest and non-threatening, non-violent way, but it's yeah. time that they're that they're speaking up, and this is great. Yeah. So, you know, I, I was not much into politics, you know, and uh, you know, I don't think I voted ever until I was done my hockey career, and. Uh, and I didn't know if I was a liberal, a conservative, a patriot, a libertarian, you know, anything. And so, you know, in 2015, 
Trump comes strolling down the escalator and announces <laughs> be, you know, he's running for president of the United States. And I was like, that's really strange, you know, because I had the opportunity playing in New York to meet him a few times, you know, and really, you know, he's, he's a guy's guy. Like he could walk into any NHL dressing room and fit right in. He's that kind of guy, you know, uh, first time I met him, he shook my hand, looked me fucking straight in the eye and, you know, was, uh, asked me about my family. And I just thought he was kind of a cool guy. Right. So I'm like, why is this guy running to be the president of the United States? So I started following politics. Right. And of course, you know, I went to where everybody goes for their politics at that time, which was CNN. Right. So I started watching CNN and I'm like, something's just not right here, you know? So then I started watching Fox and then I was like, okay, I get it. Fox is right. CNN's left. Right. And so, and I was more attracted to, you know, the right side, you know, the Patriot patriotic freedom loving, you know, all these things. And so I, I realized that I was a Patriot, that I like my freedom. I like freedom of choice. I don't want government meddling in any aspect of my life. I'm very capable of, you know, uh, and I also grew up in Western Canada. Right. And in Western Canada, all we know how to do is work. Right. Yeah. We know how to work. Right. And it's, and it's at the core of, of, of everything we do. Right. And then all of a sudden, you know, all of these climate activists came and, you know, and, uh, you know, when I got to Calgary, there was only 550,000 people in Calgary. Now there's close to 1.3 million people that live in Calgary. Why did everybody come to Calgary? Because of the oil and gas, right? There's jobs, there's opportunity, all that stuff. And, you know, I was downtown the other day and uh, 70% of the office space in Calgary is empty. And so you go downtown Calgary, it's a ghost town. Like it's really, really, really sad. Uh, and this is a direct result of having a liberal government for six years. This is direct, the direct result of having a liberal government and, and their policies and, you know, all that. Right. So, um, so then, you know, the virus hits and two weeks to flatten the curve. Right. So I went along with, that because we didn't know anything. We didn't have any information. We didn't know nothing. So two weeks becomes six weeks and six weeks becomes a year. And then a year becomes two years. Right. And then all this information starts coming in. Right. But it's only a one-sided opinion of what's going on. So the Dr. McCullough's, the Dr. Malone's, the Joe Rogan's of the world are being heavily censored. And I'm like, hmm, so who's telling the truth? The guys that are getting censored are, are the ones that are telling the truth, right? And, uh, and what you're talking about with the kids is a little thing that I like to call abuse. It's abuse. Abuse at the highest levels of government, right? And everybody's very familiar with my story because I came out with my story in 2009. I talked about my trauma. Okay. And, and so all of this has been done 
by design, right? Mm -hmm. And this type of ideology has been tried 24 times in the history of our planet. Globalism, communism, you know, whatever you want to call it has been tried 24 times. And in, and it's failed every single time. It's failed. And the only byproduct of this type of ideology is what? Death. That's the only byproduct that comes out of this ideology is death. And what are we seeing? People are dying left, right, and center. People are being injured by the vaccines, you know, all this stuff, right? And so I said to myself, if I saw abuse ever again in my life, I was going to call it out. I was going to call it out. And, you know, that's what I've been doing. I've been calling out abuse. That's, that's it. Right. And, you know, I mentioned earlier when we were talking that, you know, I'm a guy that spent a million dollars on therapy. I've done 10,000 hours of therapy. I do, I, I do therapy with other people now and uh, I run groups uh, talking about trauma, mental health and addiction. And, uh, and why have we seen a spike in mental illness? Why have we seen a spike in opioid use? Why have we seen a spike in opioid deaths? Why have we seen a spike in suicidal ideation? Why have we seen a spike in suicides is because they have taken out relationship. They closed the ranks. They closed the churches. They locked us up. And as a guy who suffers from mental health challenges, where's the worst place for me to be when I have a mental illness? Alone. Alone at home. Yeah. Alone and stuck inside yeah. of my own head. Yeah. Right? So that's why we've seen a significant in increase in all these categories. And that's, Theo, know. that's so true. And I went over and played in Finland. For, this is for, for three months. But anyways, there was no North Americans. I was in a small town. I was stuck in my apartment. And I never battled mental, like, by, yeah. by the end of that three months, Theo, I was depressed. I was lonely. I never had that feeling in my life of being yeah. so lonely and alone and sitting in my apartment in, in Finland. So I know exactly what you mean. Like, I, I'd never been in that dark of a place. Yeah. Yeah. Because when we're alone, we're, you know, we're left to deal with, you know, our stuff. Yeah. Right. And, you know, I played in Finland during the lockout in 94 and fucking dark at two o'clock in the afternoon. <laughs> yeah. Right. Yeah. It's, and it was a grind. And, and, you know, uh, Finland has the highest, one of the highest places in the world for alcoholics. Right. Because, uh, so I'll, I'll explain to you how this all, how this is all connected. Yeah. So when we're kids, we get traumatized, right? Doesn't have to be as extreme as my story. It could be as simple as my parents divorced. I was bullied in school, you know, et cetera, et cetera. And trauma is very subtle. And a lot of times you don't know or you don't even know that you've experienced trauma in your life. And so what happens is that trauma leaves you in emotional pain and suffering. Any, any kind of emotional pain and suffering is what? Mental illness. Okay. 
So how do we deal with this emotional pain and these scars that are left behind from these traumatic experiences? Well, we tend to gravitate towards the dark side of life and we get involved in addictions as a coping mechanism to suppress the emotional pain and suffering. And in society, because we're so afraid of being judged, we internalize all this stuff because I have nowhere to go and talk about how I was raped 150 times by my coach. There's no space in society that that that, that is acceptable, right? Yeah, yeah. And so if we got nowhere to talk about it, we internalize it. And when we internalize it, what happens? Just eats at you. Our nervous system gets completely fucked up. Because when we're under high states of stress, we produce a chemical in our body called cortisol. And cortisol is like acid in our system. And so what happens when you're living in a high state of stress, the cortisol starts to eat away at your nervous system and starts to fray those nerves, right? And the only way that we can recover and repair all of that damage is in relationship, right? We need relationships where I can share the deepest, darkest secrets of my life, right? Yeah. But I have to feel safe in those spaces, in those environments, right? And so, you know, and, and in the hockey world, we never use this word ever. Little word called vulnerability. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Vulnerability is storytelling. Vulnerability is storytelling. And when we, when we are vulnerable, you know what happens? It creates safety. And then when we have safety in the room, that's when the magic of healing happens is when people feel safe, heard, listened to, believed, not judged, all those things, right? And so that's why we've seen such uh, a spike in, in, in people who are struggling mentally is because we haven't created that space in society where we can go and talk about this stuff. So I've spent the last 15 years trying to create this space for all of this trauma that's happening in the world. Yeah. Yeah. And you've done an incredible job, Theo, coming out and your book and what you've been doing and leading these leading these talks. And there's been a lot of athletes that that Shane and I have known that have gone through you know, some really hard times and they would say the same thing. You need, you need the family, you need the space, you need to be able to talk. It's, it's, uh, yeah. And it's, and it's so true. And I played with a guy, Rick Rippin and Ripper 10 years. It was, you know, yesterday, the anniversary of us passing, I believe. And we still do the bell. Let's talk. And Theo, I remember the first year we were both living in the hotel and I come back from practice and you have the do not disturb on this door all day. And I'd be like, fuck, what the fuck is going on? Right. Then I got to know him and he, so I saw him battle it. I saw him his second year, get through it. And then I saw him fall back into it. And at that time, he was a tough guy that, you know, obviously wasn't that tough inside. And like you said, you don't want to be vulnerable in the NHL, especially if you're a tough guy. And I just look back to be like, man, if someone could have talked to him more and reached out. And nowadays, because of guys like you, I think it probably would have saved Ripper, you know? Right. Yeah. Right. So. So, so Theo, let me, let me just, so part of, I want to say this, but part of healing right now for Canadians, I'm, I'm seeing, I I don't watch the news. I I don't watch mainstream news. And unfortunately in Canada, 
a lot of people are are watching one sided news. It's really all they have up there. Um, yeah. And that's yeah. and that's what I know from a distance. I'm very lucky to be here and living, uh, you know, uh, uh, what I would say is the most normal of a life here in Southern California with with coming to work with my partners here and yeah. our guys doing work. And and I don't see it firsthand, but I, I feel it up there. I feel the tension oh, with yeah. Canada and I feel the love of, of everyone. And what I've seen and, and, you know, Mike Fisher coming out yesterday, uh, the other day and the little video, he's from Ottawa. Uh, I played with him world championships, very stand-up guy. And if none of you think so, then I played with fish. You won't find a better, you guy. won't find a better guy. Yeah. Yeah. And he said, he'd been following this for a while and he's starting to see the love and he's starting to see the courage of Canadians. Um, and like I said, I think this is, I think this can be accomplished in a very, uh, you know, non-violent way, not what, uh-huh. what people might think happened down here in the U S um, Canada. Well, it's come. It's coming. Uh-huh. It's coming. It's coming to you guys. Yeah. It's gonna. What's happening in Canada is gonna happen in the United States, for sure. Yeah. For sure. But uh, how I see it, and I'll I'll use a hockey analogy to um, to sort of explain what's going on. So for two years, Canada has been in a deep dark depression. Okay, and. And so what happens every time there's a big hockey tournament that Canada is involved in? It gets fucking canceled. (laughs) (laughs) No, we grab our Jersey, we grab our flag and we sit in front of our TV for two weeks and we live and die with our team. Yeah. hundred percent. So who's team Canada right now? The truckers. Yeah. Yeah. Right. And what, what has happened? The truckers initiated this, this big event. And now what are you seeing? You're seeing people from all over Canada, grabbing their red coat, Jersey, whatever it is, grabbing their flag and they're coming out of their house and they're standing on the street and they're supporting these truckers. Right. Theo, Theo, that what to me, would, yeah, that, that to me is Canada. Yeah. yeah, that's Canada, right? That's what we grew up with. Fucking World Junior every Christmas, Olympics, yeah. World Cups. Like that's that's what this is. But it's a hundred X now. Yeah, yeah, I agree. It's like the whole country is rallying around these truckers. Theo, yeah. what would you say to the to the people who just who would be reading the news and thinking that this is just some anti-vax weird movement, um, you know, with that labeled to what this actually really is? This is the narrative. The yeah. narrative's done. Yeah. Okay. The narrative is over. Vaccine mandates, get vaccinated, you know, stay in your house. All this stuff is gone. The narrative has been blown up and people, I said, that's it. I had enough. Enough is enough. And you've had had two years, you've had two years to figure this out. And we are not going to vaccinate our way out of this. Yeah. We're not going to vaccinate our way out of it. And feel, and that's what, and that's where I get pissed off as a Canadian is I think, listen, at the start of COVID, I think we could all agree to a certain extent. It was scary. Yeah. I was scared. Yeah. I didn't know what the fuck was going on. Of course. And I think the Canadian people, and this is a credit to us. The government said, hey, listen, stay in your house. We don't know what's going on. They followed the rules and followed the rules. 
And Theo, I guess my question to you is, do you think the government then went, wow, okay, these people will listen to pretty much anything we'll fucking say and we're going to continue... In my mind, that's what they did, and that's what pisses me off, is they took advantage of how good Canadian people are, and some people are still scared and brainwashed, Theo, to, you know, my parents are the two best parents in the world, and they're older, they're vaccinated, and they're scared yep. to travel still because of what they're yep. being told. They, they're the nicest people in the world. Like, that, to me, yep. is what makes me mad. I think they took advantage of the Canadian people. Yeah. You know, like... Yeah. Well... Do you There's agree? one stat in all of this that really stands out to me is that if you get COVID, you have a 99.7% chance of survival. Yeah. 99.7% chance of <laughs> there was of a couple survival. nights. I, there was a couple nights I went out on the road during my career. I didn't have that percentage of making it out alive, man. <laughs> Holy fuck, you're talking to me. How am I taking those chances? <laughs> yeah, no Missing shit. Missing curfew? That's my fucking middle name. <laughs> <laughs> oh, you probably did. Yeah, you did it the best, I'm sure. <laughs> Holy fuck. Um, geez, Theo. So, this Theo, is, what's yeah. it like for, and I know you don't see me, but like right now, if you go out or in your media, like what is the reaction you're getting from people in Canada? Because you're an icon for obviously what you did on and off the ice. Is it, are you feeling more people are like the people out? supporting the truckers now or is it still split what what's the feeling back home right now this is the greatest event in canadian history the biggest thing that's ever happened in canada right now right now this is it right and uh you know the bible predicted this right this is the last fight of good versus evil this is it if we lose it's over. It's over. It is over. Right? They're going to be coming and dragging us out of our houses, taking us to concentration camps and forced vaccination on everybody. Uh, you know, and I don't want to get into this conspiracy, but I think it needs to be said is that there's a guy who runs the world, <clears throat> the World Economic Forum. His name is Klaus Schwab, and he wrote a book called The Great Reset. And the tagline that came out of that book is, you will own nothing and you will be happy. That's their, that's their tagline. And so there was a video that just came out of Klaus Schwab being interviewed where he basically said, we own Justin Trudeau and we own half of his cabinet members in Canada. So the World Economic Forum has infiltrated our government. And this is the reason why we're at the place that we're at right now. Okay. And, and so, um, you know, at the end of the day, God wins in my belief, you know, uh, faith has been the only thing that saved my life. You know, I'm not a God, you know, I'm a spiritual guy, right? And, uh, you know, in the last 15 years, I've been able to travel to 420 of the 630 First Nations communities in Canada, helping them with their own traumatic experience, the residential school experience, right? Mm -hmm. And that trickle-down effect that it's yeah. had on their whole entire community. But more importantly, what's happened is those people saved my life. Those people say, why? 
because they have the greatest untapped resource of medicine on the planet, on the planet. And it's a little thing called spirituality. And I can tell you five years into my own sobriety, like I hit a wall and I was like, this is what sobriety is all about. Then I don't want any fucking part of it. I might as well go back <laughs> drinking because I'm acting like, you know, I'm acting like one, but I'm not drinking. Yeah, yeah, I'm I hear angry, you. angry, resentful, you know, all these things. And so I went to my first sweat lodge around that time. And I sat in the sweat lodge. And I had a spirit, like I had another spiritual awakening. And uh I, I finally felt home. I finally felt like I was at home. I felt I felt that I fully un, I fully understood what spirituality was all about, you know. Yeah. And you know, I, I sweat with one of the most powerful medicine men uh, in the world down in Cardston, Alberta, a couple hours from my house. And I got COVID. I got COVID. And so I called him and I said, "Hey, Arnold, I, I need some medicine." And he drove up. And dropped off some medicine. I took four doses of his uh, of his medicine, and I was good to go. I was good to go. And uh, so I have a really special place in my heart for the Indigenous community uh, in Canada. Yeah. And when this is all said and done, you know, I'm going to be a big proponent of their medicine, as as to use their medicine to heal from you know, this traumatic experience that we've gone through for the last two years, because yeah. I really believe they, they have, they have what we need. Yeah. Awesome. Yep. Yeah. Well, Theo. Theo, man, we, we, we really appreciate you coming on. Um, you know, we'd love to have you on again to talk some more hockey stuff and, and other stuff like that. You're, I mean, me and up, we, you know, you're a legend. We look up to you. Obviously we love the way you played, but everything you've been through off the ice, man. And, um thanks for being a proud canadian and coming on and talking and uh we're yeah. with you fella we're with you and, yeah um at the end of the day we're all we all love canada right and that's all we really oh, care yeah. about man we all love canada it's the greatest country in the world exactly the greatest country in the world with diversity um you know the reason why i chose to live in calgary post career is because i i love this community you know i love alberta in general yeah you know uh it's the greatest amount of charity that I've ever been around, you know, and, and when we're done post-career, you know, we usually get involved with some sort of charity or group or whatever it is. And, and, uh, you know, when I first came to Calgary, uh, not only were you expected to be a good hockey player for the organization, but you were expected to be a part of the community and they made us, do charity work, go to events, get out there, meet the, meet the people that are paying, you know, paying yeah. your salary. Right. Exactly. You know, and I think that's, that that's gotten lost is that these kids have no idea that the people who go to the games in Edmonton and Calgary, four people come to a game. That's that guy's salary yeah. Yeah, for two crazy. weeks No kidding. for yeah. two weeks. Right. And I don't think the kids fully understand that without the fans, there is no you. There is no you. Yeah. Right. And um, and so, yeah, you know, I, I think that that as former players 
and celebrities, you know, we, we have a duty to give back, right? We have a duty to give back. And in the process of healing, that is the most important thing in healing is helping is healing. Because the more people I've helped, guess what's happened? I've been able to heal myself by helping other people, right? And so that charity aspect of my life is is probably the biggest reason why I'm still alive today is because I've been able to take people where I used to be and take them to the place where I am now, right? And that's ultimately, you know, purpose, right? You know, I always thought my purpose was to, to be an NHL player. Well, no, that wasn't it. Hockey's, <laughs> hockey's just the game. And, you know, when I told my story in 2009, I, I got an opportunity to step into my true purpose in life. And there was a reason why I went through all that trauma was to get to this place where I could step into my purpose. Because if I didn't have this story, I can't help people. Yeah, yeah. Right? yeah of course. So the gift, the gift actually was the trauma in my life. You know, my parents, my abuser, those guys were gifts in my life because they taught, because I had to go to go through adversity to build resilience. And when you have resilience, you can get through anything, right? Yeah. And so what's happening now with COVID is, is it's adversity and that adversity is building resilience in people, right? Yeah. And coming out of this, I think it's going to be amazing. Yeah, yeah be I agree really with that. Do. I, I really agree with, do. I agree with that. We're, we're going to come out stronger up there everywhere. Everyone's going to come out stronger. So, yeah. Um, Phil, you're the man, buddy. We appreciate it. Like you said, we'd love to have you back on. Yeah, um, anytime. Yeah, anytime. I'm just fucking sitting in my house, fucking locked up. So I got. I got lots of time. <laughs> right. We really appreciate, we really appreciate it. it. Yeah, the golf courses are closed. Uh, Dallas, you guys are in California because I would be like I've played 280 rounds of golf in two years. Wow, because I'm pretty, at the course every yeah, day. Yeah, that's pretty that's good. That. That's your escape that's right the, there. That, Fucking right. What's that? That's your escape. Get to the course. Yeah, that's my. And, yeah. That's, yeah, that's my Paxil, my Prozac, my. Yeah, that's, that's yeah. my mental health. Yeah. You know, how's the so, game? Pretty good. Pretty solid. <laughs> that was, yeah. Fuck, well, we got to team up. You know, with athletes, you know, we're kind of, we we've kind of have OCD, right? And I'm the same with golf. Like, I'll get up in the morning and I'll go to the course and I'll hit balls for like two or three hours. Wow. And then I'll wait for my, I'll wait for my kids and my dad and, uh, and we'll tee off like, two or three o'clock in the afternoon and I'll play around. And then if I don't play well, I'll go back to the range and I'll hit more balls. Right. Because golf is about repetition. Golf is about, you know, and the thing about golf is if you're not mentally focused in golf, yeah. it's a shit show. <laughs> you know what I mean? You can get away playing hey, hockey. just not too focused. I got to keep my boy off. When he's my partner, I got to keep him off his cell phone, Theo. He's on his phone the whole fucking round. I'm like, up, dog, get off that phone. I need you here. We're I playing, always working, We're playing Theo, for though, hundreds right? here. We're playing for <laughs> hundreds. Well, at our course, um, cell phones don't work. Oh, I'm going to, that's where I got to kick up, dog. That's where I got to take oh, the up, dog. Yeah. That's good. He's stuff. a scratch. He's a stick feel. He's a scratch. But if you can get yeah. him on the phone or 
talking <laughs> then you about might get in my you pocket. You might get yeah. his pocket. That, that's when you get pr- the full press is when you start fucking around on your phone. Exactly. If you see him on his phone, if you see him on his phone, throw a press out of you. <laughs> yeah, exactly. For sure. For sure. All, All right. right. I Thank you. I appreciate, uh, I appreciate the opportunity. Hey, yeah. And, uh, yeah. It's a know, big day tomorrow. For, Thank you, buddy. We appreciate reaching out and, uh, Fucking pray hard for tomorrow that shit doesn't go down, shit doesn't go sideways. Yeah. I'm hearing, I'm hearing all reports are, is there some fucking characters that are going to show up and try and cause shit tomorrow? So, yeah. Well, I hope that doesn't happen. We don't don't need that. But uh, like you said, Theo, you know, the last couple days seeing that, you know, Maple Leaf with the red and white. Um, yeah, man, it's, it's it's good to see again because you know me and Uppy, we know down here we still we still miss home and um, yeah, it's it's good to see. So hopefully, no, we don't want any violence, but ho- I'm glad to see the Canadian flags back out, fella. Yeah, it's it and er- all the messaging from the truckers has been this is a peaceful protest. We're not here to cause shit. You know, we we just want our freedom back. That's it. Yeah. We want the mandates yeah. gone. We want the masks gone. We want the vaccine gone. We just want our freedoms back and we want, we want to get back to, you know, the Canadian way of life and that's working hard and providing for our families and, and uh, you know, going back to the arenas and getting into getting back into church and, yeah. you know, yeah. bringing, bringing that sense of community back to Canada because, you know, there's a reason why there's a reason why there's a rink in every small town in Canada is because that's where we go. That's the get, church, yeah. That's where we that's where we go to get all of these amazing lessons that in life that, uh, that we've, you know, that we carry with us for the rest of our life, right? Cuz we don't put our kids in sports to create professional athletes. We put our kids in sports to create quality human beings. Yeah. Right? Well said. Well said. Man. And and uh you know the three of us, you know, went went to the Church of Hockey and and uh, learned some incredible, valuable lessons in our life that made us good people, you know, yeah. made made us quality people, you know, and and uh, and we need to get back to that. Well awesome. said, Theo. That's the perfect way to end it, buddy. We appreciate you. Um, Loved watching you play, fella. I wish I would have played. I wish I, <laughs> yeah. hey, I gotta be honest I with you. I wish, I wish I would have played with you back in the day. I'm not gonna lie. I wish I would have played oh, with yeah. you back in the day. Yeah. I caught, I caught you in your. I, I played with you against you in my first, uh, my first season. So I'll always cherish that. You were a hawk. Fucking did you get still a, did buzzing you get around. A little fucking stick. I, I got in the a ribs? stick probably in the For nuts sure, and yeah. a minus one. <laughs> I'm yeah. sure if I look well, in the Nashville Hawks game, I was a dash dash one or two playing against you, my friend. Well. People always ask me, they go, what was it like to play in your era? I said, I played in the era when you were slashing somebody, you hope you hit bone. <laughs> <laughs> That's hockey, yeah. Dude, you slash him and you, and you know you got him on the bone, you're like, oh, yeah, I got him good there. I got oh, him good yeah. there. Oh, yeah. <laughs> thank That's you, good Thank stuff. you, Theo. Thank you, buddy. Big fella, our next guest is uh, one of my teammates. I actually got the Spangy Cup jersey behind me. Look at that. Fucking Canada. I got the t-shirt on. <laughs> you look great. <laughs> Thanks. Uh, our boy, Christopher Stieg. Thanks for dialing in. In Toronto, you look like you're sitting or, or, or laying on that nice restoration hardware bed there. Nice yeah, little workbench. I'm comfy right now. I'm getting ready to go here. So I had to get on the bed. I don't even have an office anymore. Nothing. You know, kids have taken all that away. So... 
this is where I work, you know, all day is on the bed. Yeah. I'm good. I, mean, that's, I used to work a lot in the bed, eh? <laughs> I wish. Jeez, back in the day. That was showtime back then. Um, Steger, I wanted to bring you on. It's uh, Today is all about Canada for Shane and I, for I hope our listeners. The message we're trying to say is we love Canada. And in a long, long time, I haven't been so proud to say I'm Canadian. Uh, what I seen you do yesterday on your Instagram, I wanted to bring you in and share some of those stories and, and you've been up in Canada for the last little while, Steger. So just, you know, your experiences, your thoughts and, you know, watching this movement of, uh, you know, people standing up for their flag, for their freedom, for their kids. Um, just what that means to you and your family. Well, it's first off for you guys covering this. Um, it's a testament to you because you're a hockey podcast and you're covering real world issues right now. So thanks for doing that. I know me, I just, before I get into it, when I talk to Sportsnet or I talk to, this is pretty, this is a pretty open thing I'm going to say right here. When I talk to um, uh, XM radio, I just said, I, I don't talk politics. I'm not a political guy. Don't ask me political questions. I don't give a shit about Rob Ford or Stephen DeLuca or Andre Horvath, these these people, these clowns, right? I don't care about them. I don't want to answer them on the radio. I want nothing to do with it. Yeah. So where this has gone for me is I went two years saying nothing, right? Saying nothing. And you watch your kids, you know, sit inside basically for two years. They're not allowed to be with their friends. Over those two years, you start to understand things more and more about what's going on. But at that same time, you start to see what's happening to your kids and kids around you, right? So you start to think about it, like what's going on here in Canada that's not going on elsewhere, right? And I start to reach out to friends in the States. I reach out to friends in Minnesota. He runs a hockey school and they're playing hockey the entire time. You know, basically they shut down for a month, but they kept playing all the way through. And I reach out to friends in Chicago and they're finding ways to keep kids active. And as we keep going on, it kind of leads us up to about two weeks ago, um, or sorry, four weeks ago now when they shut us down, I'm like, what the fuck is going on? They just locked us down again, right? And and I have my kid in the back seat, and he's like, Daddy, when am I going to go to hockey? You know, why can't I go to hockey? Why can't I be with my friends? Now, I'm not trying to make anyone feel sorry for me, but that pissed me off finally. You know, I'm like, if I'm, if I'm going to stick my neck out on the line and talk about some politics, I'm going to take a lot of heat and take a lot of flack over the next probably half hour and however much for saying this. But I'm like, I got to stick up for my children, you know, and, and it's about us sticking up for our children now because what's going on in Canada and in Ontario is despicable. And what I can't understand is you just see these politicians now and none of them have their own thoughts, you know, none of them create their own thoughts and talk about what's truly honest, you know, what's truly honest and means well to them. They only talk about who's lobbied them the most, right? Yeah. Whether it's Andrea Horwath or whether it's the Stephen DeLuca uh, clown and Rob Ford, they only dictate policy based on who's lobbied them the most. And this has been the most evident thing over the past two years. This has been gone way by the wayside is when has D Doug Ford talked about vitamin D deficiency, right? In, in COVID patients or obesity or people take your vitamins, exactly. exercise, get healthy. You watched El Salvador released a video about health and wellness, getting people healthy because that's a good way to help fight COVID, right? And I'm not a doctor. I'm not telling you how to fight COVID, but these are things that governments around the world are doing, except our own still here in Canada. So this is, so this finally again, back, sort of back, this is, I'm kind of going all over, no, but no, back to four on. weeks ago, I kind of said, fuck it. 
I just got to say something now because I can't stay quiet anymore. I've been quiet forever. I don't like talking politics, but now it's like, I'm, I got to, I got to say something, whether it be for myself, just to know, you know, what my kids are going through and for others out there that are in my situation, because we talk about a fringe minority, right? This is a fringe minority. Well, guess what? Wouldn't you want that fringe minority included in your society? If nine, like there's part of the fringe minority, there's some, there's bad people in it. Right. And that's what they're trying to make this thing about right now. But most of the fringe uh, minority are good law abiding citizens, people that pay their taxes. They go to work every day. They put their fucking head down. They grind. Wouldn't you want these people part of your society vaccinated or unvaccinated? Like, Agreed, yeah. wouldn't yeah. you want to include them as part of your life? Right. That's where I just don't understand anymore, like where this has gone and where it's gone off the rails. But for me, it just comes back to these politicians don't have a real thought. They don't have a real human element to them. They can't feel human elements anymore because they've had to make so much lobbying policies over the last two years that they're not human anymore. Like they can't actually come to us and have like a, a conversation person to person and feel what these people are feeling because the the situations and the decisions they have to make on a daily basis. Right. It's because there's, there's like, could you imagine making some of the decisions they have to make, but they have to make them and they're just doing it. Whoever's lining their pockets the most. So this is where it's just gone completely off the rails. And I finally said, fuck it. I'm saying something. And I want to say something, Steger. I, I was home for about two weeks over Christmas. And the thing that really got to me was, you know, and media is media, but like every time I would watch it with my dad and, you know, it would just be the one thing, like the, the way they are trying to brainwash Canadians up there. And, and like we said, me and be like, COVID at the start was scary. And the thing that pisses me off the most is that Canadian people are good people that were following the rules. And then the government went, oh, okay, well, let's see how much farther they'll go and farther they'll go. And now, in my opinion, you know more than me, you live there. I just feel that they're taking advantage of the good Canadian people. And that's what pisses me off the most. Well, it's, it's bad, man. It's really bad. So, I could, here's a story that I haven't really told anyone, even just with my son, you know what I mean? This is where the, I feel like the taking advantage of and the manipulation of the mind has gone, has gone a little crazy. It's like, my son's a five-year-old and at school, you don't have to wear a mask five and under, right? And he's one of the only kids who doesn't wear one at school. He wasn't allowed to be a part of circle time and he had to sit at his desk by himself as a five-year-old while everyone else got to be around each other for circle time. This is my child, right? Yeah. So... And this is, this is, again, it was an option to do. So I'm not blaming anyone in the sense, but is that all right? No, it's like, not all right. It, is that okay? No. Like, that's not all right. And I don't care who you are or what background you have or what your belief system is. The, the, the way this should be is we all should be together for yeah. each other. We're a country. To unite, and, not and to the, separate, yeah. And, what, and yesterday, being at that that uh, the convoy was like one of the most euphoric feelings I've had in like two years since pretty much winning the Spangler cup with you up. Fucking right. It was like, it was like, (laughs) I was so proud to be Canadian again. Yeah. I seen every walk of life there. I talked to hundreds of people vaccinated, unvaccinated, whatever it may be, liberal NDP conservative. Uh, it, It didn't matter. Right. PPC, whatever they, they were all there for one reason. Right. And they were there to support the people going to Ottawa to protect, to protest for their freedoms. Right. It's not, it's not about 
just uh, one or I guess a vaccine or whatever. It's about your freedoms, yeah. right? It's about what you're going to instill or give to your kids, pass on to your kids so they can think freely and, and they can be around one another. But I was talking to people, man, like there was like grown men crying. You know what I mean? It was fucking crazy. I posted one video of a guy. He started crying right after the video. You know what I mean? Like he's a father. of uh, I, I forgot how it said, but all three guys standing there were fathers. Like I was like, like, this is crazy. This means so much to these people. And they're caught Canadians. Yeah. They all pay their taxes, right? If they're fringe minority, it doesn't matter. Include them, right? That's where this has just gone crazy. And that that Trudeau, the divisiveness that's come out of his mouth and Rob Fords and and uh, Stephen DeLuca, the guy who's running for Liberal Party and all these guys is just, it's so bad right now. It is so bad. And I, I know you guys had Flurry on. Like me and Flurry, I'm sure we have... a a lot of varying different thoughts on policy, right? Like, again, like on just politics in general. But at the end of the day, you can sit down with someone and still discuss it. And that's yeah. where this is gone. You can't even discuss anything anymore. Yeah, that's right? what he brought up. Well, yeah. that's the thing that pissed me. Like, yeah, no one's talking about it. It's just up there. When I was there, it's just, this is what's happening. Like, no other message being sent across no. but this, this, it's- this, this. And I'm like, I'm like, to my fr- finally, my buddies are starting to come around. But I mean, it's just it, that's the when, to me. I'll be, I was like, what? well, do you think you could ever see them sitting down and having an open conversation with no script to deliver on, like, say, a live TV set? It, it would be almost impossible. You'd never see it nowadays. Well, yeah. that's that, that's what you think. Like critical thinking comes from taking basically two different decisions, deciphering them and then making your own out of that. Right. But when in Canada, we've been just told one thing for day after day. It's been telling you how to think each day, day in and day out. Like there's no one being brought on to talk about um, like health or anything else. Right. Like to like challenge or push back. It's just been one way of thinking in Canada, especially day after day after day for two years. And I was actually this kind of brings it back to the the convoy yesterday. I didn't think I was going to see people between the age of probably 50 and 70 at the convoy because most of those people do partake in the media right yeah. day after day they just have it on all day there was a ton of people in that age bracket i was shocked you know i thought it was going to be more you know between 20 and 40 age there was a ton of people yeah. in that age bracket so maybe they're just tuning it out now too because they've been just force-fed this this information day after day yeah and, and my, another thing that made me mad is my mom and dad have been locked down for two years and all they wanted to do was have Christmas Eve over at their house with their friends that are all vaccinated and all everything. And this new variant comes out and the Canadian media is scaring them all and they have to cancel it and don't get to enjoy Christmas Eve with their friends. And they haven't done it in two years because of it. And I'm just like, that's not right. Yeah, like when's, like, enough, when's enough? enough? Like yeah. my mom and dad want to spend Christmas Eve with their friends and family in a small town of 12, a town of 12,000 people. And they're scared to get together. You know, yeah. I was, and like, they've Man. done their part. They've done their, yeah. part. done their part. They've done their part. And my, they can't have, you know, four or five friends over because they're all scared of COVID. I was just like, it, it didn't sit well with me, Steger. No. Yeah, we, we've, no, no, nor should it. Steger, we've used this, you know, our, our last four or five months since the season started basically in the NHL. You know, there's been ups and downs on, you know, all the protocols and everything. And we, we finally got fed up with the word protocol. We started to just like the guy, you know, unfortunately, the guy had to test. They should stop doing the testing. The guy has the sniffles. He's got to sit in his hotel room for five days while his team goes on the road. It's like the, there needs to be more common sense used at this when, when it's dealing with the sports and the NHL. But this, to me, like this last week, since I've followed this and since, you know, we talked about Mike Fisher coming out and he's been following it. He's in Ottawa, you know, 
uh, grew up in Ottawa and he probably has a ton of friends and family involved in what this, this is as well. It's just more to it. It's more, it feels more patriotic to me. It feels more like finally Canada, you know, it takes a lot to piss off a fucking Canadian. Like it takes a lot yeah. to, uh, for a Canada. We Unless list, the beer stores close, then we get fucking yeah. Or your, or your fucking team gets a bad call in the fucking, you know, in the game and they score and they lose, you know, then you fucking hit the streets. Yeah. But, but finally it's like someone stood up, you know, and Theo said it before, like these truckers, they're truckers. They fucking sit in their truck. They work hard. They're working people, but this isn't like an anti-vax thing. This is, um, this is a standing up for what could be the only time that you can gather everyone who feels like things have been wrong and they can voice their message and that yeah. the, me and the message can beat the media that is trying to just deliver one message to everyone. You know, it's finally a moment where you, you can come out with your family again. And I hope, I hope to God tomorrow, Saturday in, in Canada, everyone opens up their stores. I hope, I hope everyone goes and, and it's, it's like a, a life happens again there. That to me would be the ultimate to see people just stand up for their small business, stand up for their family, stand up for their kids who had to wear a mask at school and just say, guys, we're all together in this. Like we're, now we're moving to this next place. We're getting well, over this. And here, here's one thing we haven't really touched on. If you stand up for mental health. Yeah. Fucking age. That's like, all. I yeah. know, Steger, I have, I that's my next question to you. Yeah. I know 10 people in the last year, OD and suicide, you know, yeah. or in 18 months, sorry. Yeah. And that's like, and they're all between 20 and 40 age of age. Right. And like these, they, it, you take away the gym, you take away sports, you take away everything from them and you tell them to go isolate. They're in a hard place. I just lost a friend, Derek Wiest. He's my age. His, his uncle owns the hockey school with me. And like these, these, oh man, it's, Sorry, it's hard buddy. to say. Yeah, like yeah, they, yeah. they've been through a ton, man. And they're alone a lot of the time. Right. And there's, there's really a crisis in help. You can't even go out and get help. Young hockey players. I know they, you know, they're trying to reach out for help, uh, through a met, like, cause they're in a mental health breakdown. They've had hockey taken away from them. Their sport taken away. Not only that, I have friends who coach and they're coaching kids that are 16, 17, 18 now. And they said a lot of the time they're just, you know, talking to cry, you know, to crying kids in a room or sad kids in a room because of the adversity. Right. So they have hockey taken away for two years they come back and say if they get sad or benched or not played much that game, that's a lot of mental anguish for a kid in your teens going through that. Imagine being 16 years old, not playing for two years, no. and then going and like playing in Kamloops up and you get sat for the first five games. Like, how do you deal with that yeah. adversity on top of everything yeah. else? So it's like, that's it's where I start to like, look, I'm like, we need to be there for these kids, man. Yeah, There needs to be something. And these athletic kids, I know I'm only speaking of kids and athletes, because I deal with them every day, but us NHL guys, us older NHL guys and everything, there's going to need, there's going to be an issue at hand here. And there's going to need to be something set up for these kids to talk for us to help them because it is a serious issue, you know? And, and that's where, again, it's a, it's a mental health crisis right now. And it's an issue. And uh, yeah, I don't know what there is to do besides just keep reaching out to kids and helping, but I would love something else to be done. But I mean, yeah, it's 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 really hard to see what they're going through. These kids, man, it sucks. And I like I can fucking imagine being 10, 11, 12. My mom, you know, single mom raising three kids at home, no school, no sport. I'd be in fucking jail. I swear, you know. <laughs> no, what I mean? it, it's so true, man. Like, like if I didn't have hockey when I was growing up, like I 15, 14, 15, 16, they said you can't play. I, I don't know what would happen to me. I, I I don't know. I mean, it would have been. 
hockey was and that's why you have sport right yeah. Kobe, like yeah. and that's where you you look at the so uh we always look at like the data of sport right like most kids quit sport around 12 years old so if most kids right now uh, are 10 years old sorry leading into the pandemic and they haven't played sport in two years most kids actually quit sport at 10 years old now right yeah so now that takes them down two more years what are they going to do during those next two years to fill time right and who are they going to talk to and who are the people they're going to surround themselves with so are we going to get them back into sport when things start opening them back up like sport is everything for people and it's a big life lesson and it's a huge thing so i don't know what it's going to be like but we need like that's where i finally said again four months or four weeks ago i'm screw it open sports now these kids need it kids need to go to the rink we got to find ways if you're only allowing one parent in the rink per kid so be it whatever these kids need to be around each other and they need to play yeah yeah well I, said i agree stinger what are you uh i know just on a on a different pace yeah. but what, what uh talk about your your new venture your new little program you put online <laughs> what can you do to help these kids in that way yeah it was uh well it's a youth sport app it's a free app and basically what I wanted to do is bring the pro tools to the mass, right? All yep. the current sport tech out there is built for, you know, the A coach, we call it. So like for NHL coaches, for East Coast, or for like individual skill coaches that deal with NHLers. So what we wanted to do is create tech, uh, take those type of ideas and apply it to tech that could be across all sport for all kids. And that's what we did. It's, so we took this clip button and it's buffering in the camera and you can record for five minutes and if nothing happens, you swipe out and none of that's saved. But if your kid scores after five minutes, say, and you're recording for five minutes, you just tap this button. It goes back 15 seconds and deletes the first four minutes and 45 seconds. Because what we found is parents always have too much video. And then you can take that clip as a coach or a parent. You could share it in or out of the platform. You could pull it up into a coach mode. You could coach it and do a lot like that. And we're actually uh, launching in a week our crowdsourcing area for coaches. So we have some ex-NHL athletes. Think of it cameo for sport. Yeah, right? of course, yeah reach out. So that's kind of what we've done is we've, we're tried to bring, uh, we're trying to democratize sports tech in that sense. Cause you guys like, how is expensive is it now? Skates yeah, are yeah, 100%. 1300 bucks, man. So what we're trying to do is democratize the sport tech because sport tech's too expensive as well. And hopefully we can get it out there to as many kids, coaches and parents as well. And, uh, get her, get it going around and see if they enjoy it. So that's clever.ai. In the yeah, app store? It's on the app store and yeah, app store right now, KLEVR.ai. So do you think if me and Obi, you know, get the app and go to the golf course today, we could fucking film a couple of our bad <laughs> shots and then send it to you to critique it or what? A hundred percent. You could do it in a second. And that's yeah. how golfers are using it, man. So they'll go a whole hole and you can record a whole hole, right? You take your drive. Your See Obi shot, fucking chip, fluff it up over in the rough, eh? Uh, yeah, I know. Right, uh, never you'll, fluff you'll it. Get wood, you'll, you'll get uh, Obi. I only fluff in the shower, Steve. I only fluff <laughs> in the shower. <laughs> but you guys, so then you could like take those like little two, three second clips of each shot. You could merge it together and now you have your whole hole, right? And then the golf coach can go through all each shot at the hole in one little video. So it's only like an eight second video. It's super, it's streamlined. Yeah, basically, yeah. And right? You just open the door. You're yeah, going yeah. to have Upshell's whole fucking round here in about yeah. an hour and a half. He's yeah. going to say the whole I thing. might have to start a TikTok after this too. I might be able to like that shortened version, all the good shots. Huh? Yeah, Fuck. there's actually, we would love to see you post to our public feed. We got a public feed uh, similar to TikTok in that sense where you can flip through like content of 
uh, goals and golfers and everything. Yeah, we'd love to see a uppy hole going. I can only imagine you, Steger, on the back day, having to videotape Steger's back check, eh? Back in the <laughs> back in Florida, fuck. Right. Where is he, he? He's not on the camera anymore. He's fucking down in the half wall still. He's waiting for a uh, fucking biscuit. Uh, dude, I got a great story about that in Red Deer. This is like before video was ever a thing. Brent Sutter pulls me into the room, and I'm a defenseman, right? I played D as a 19 year old. Wow. And uh, he's like, watch the tape. So he puts in the VHS and he's like, watch the tape. Right. And the video, like I, I lead the four check and then the video <laughs> comes back and it's in the D zone. And he's like, start fucking counting. I'm like, one, <laughs> two, three. And he's like, and then you start to see me slowly come back into the video. And he's like, it took you six seconds just to come into the fucking video. And he's like, you're a defenseman. You're a defenseman. He's like, what are you doing? I'm like, I'm going for a breakaway. And he's like, man, yeah. Start counting. There was no ice. Start counting. <laughs> oh, it's Sutter Brothers. We, we, uh, I don't know if you've seen it on our missing curfew lately, but our boy Princey's been posting a couple of the fucking oh, of Daryl's videos. It's just awesome. The guy's the one yeah. A in, in post, uh, post game interviews fucking rights so oh, he's his stuff's hilarious yeah steger man thank you for doing this and hey keep using your platform buddy you're you're you know you're good for hockey you're good for everything right now so uh keep it going um and real, i really appreciate you coming on here taking time out of your day to do this so up you thanks for getting them and thank you steger yeah thanks steez for sure take care guys see you brother Updog, uh, thank you to Theo Fleury and, and Christopher Stieg. You know, Theo's a passionate guy about it, right? Yeah. And, and, you know, he's been through a lot in his life, on and off the ice. He's battled some adversity. Um, but at the end of the day, he loves Canada. Yeah, he loves and Canada. I love Canada, and you love Canada. He loves Canada. people. He and loves people. Yeah, and yeah. Steger loves Canada. And that's all this was. Um, you know, so we didn't want to offend anybody or anything like that. We just all love Canada. We have so many people up there that we love that we want to get back to living the Canadian lifestyle that they deserve, that we were lucky enough to live. Um, so thank you, Theo, Steger. Uh, and Steger's living it firsthand with kids playing hockey. Agreed, and, and yeah. Yeah, like, I mean, w- listen, we live in California. We're very fortunate to be down here. And, and maybe some people will say, hey, you guys don't even live in Canada. You guys shouldn't be talking about it. Maybe yeah. you're right. Maybe you're not. But um, at the end of the day, last thing I'm going to say about it, Uppy, is we all love Canada. And that's yeah. all I got to Yeah, say. and, and uh, I would state this. If you take one thing out of this, if you think what we talked about is completely like offside or, or conspiracy, I would like to say that mental health is a real thing. Yeah. And if you can't understand mental health by listening to a guy like Theo Fleury and what he's been through and how he, you know, he's battled it, he speaks his mind, he's, um, he's helped people, you know, he's, he's found it within himself to be uh, a healer and that's his passion in life right now. That's the message I want to send. Um, if, if you can't find anything out of this, you know, let's think about everyone who, who struggles and, and, you know, our friends who we've either lost through this or family members who deal with this on a daily basis. You know, we hope that we all can get through this because we're human. We love each other. Unity is power. Um, and, uh, you know, to be free and to be Canadian is, uh, is a very special and, and an honored thing. So, you know, we love that. Well said. And like I said, we're not in Canada, so this is going to come out probably Friday or Saturday, right? For you beauties up there, Saturday Night Hockey Night in Canada, have one for me in the updog. Look at the Canadian flag. Give it a cheers. Best country in the world. We love it. And uh, that's all this was about, updog. I love you. Great tarp. 
Um, Thanks, Obes. Missing curfew, baby. 